I, I failed to introduce myself last night at Dakota Dunes, and I just about struck out twice. And Father John Rutten, the chaplain director at the St. Thomas More Newman Center in Vermilion, uh, previously 10 years uh, priest uh, in mostly in Sioux Falls area, and grateful to be in the pastorate. Number 20, right? <laughs> Uh, you guys are a beautiful witness. I might uh, remind you all, for all of us who will begin this journey, to take it, to not be afraid, to trust that there's something that comes about in ways we don't know. Uh, yesterday morning I was in my office and a gentleman walks by. And I hope you're not here, but not too old, but older. Someone who probably has his ways set where he is. Let's put it that way. And he began to talk about the pastor, and he said, it's been really great. I go sometimes here, and then I go up there, and then when I'm looking for this, I go there. And I just was overjoyed, and I thought, Bishop DeGrood would love to know that there is hope, that his desire that we all sort of shake up this sometimes calcification, our, our possessions of things that can prevent us from really giving our life so that a communion of people, of friendship, can happen. And sometimes that friendship needs to enter into a risky place, a place that sometimes feels a little odd. And being at the Newman Center, I can tell you, the reason there's so much friendship among all those people is because they're in their bedrooms, like, petrified for, for three weeks, like, oh, why am I here? This was a bad decision. I shouldn't have done this. But they can't go home. Right? And then I get messages from the lady in the uh, administration who deals with people, and they're like, this one's really, she's like, car's packed. Would you just meet with her father, right? But that's how, the, that's how the life comes about, is people have to stay present. The difficulty with our culture today is we don't have to stay present. And so without that tension, without that like staying to something that like, no, this isn't what I want, we don't get the beautiful, of, wow. I'm so glad I stayed to meet that person, right? And so you've been a beautiful witness in Jefferson, Elk Point, Dakota Dunes of this uh, journey. And I'm sure there's stories you're probably like, Father, if you had been here, it's not what Father Vogel tells you. But what I know is that man told me from his face that we should not be afraid in the diocese of mixing things up. And so what a blessing it is that we're on this journey. I uh, uh, come here aware that um, that also introduces new dynamics, that there wasn't a mass here tonight, so we got to uh, take the altar linen off and we got to repose the Blessed Sacrament away and sort of bring things to a starker experience in the church, right? That's this Good Friday, that we're in this place in which we want to feel the starkness, the emptiness, the stripping of all that we have. And so over time, with the music has come down, things have gotten more solemn, everything's gotten quieter, the glory we heard for the last time. And even as we were beginning, I started the prayer and then I started to chant it. And I'm like, oh no, what am I doing? I should have just spoke it. Less music, just... But I've learned in liturgy, if the bus leaves the station, you ride it. So I just finished the opening prayer, chanting it, even though I'm trying to like bring it down. But I feel that urge in me at times when I'm saying Mass in the last few weeks. I, I feel that desire like, ah, I don't want this to be so, ah. Uh. 
And then I'm like, oh, what's that about, John? See, that's what the liturgy is doing for us. We should come desirous to meet the Lord. But the liturgy is reminding us, but life brings you to a starkness, to strippings. And if we don't enter into that, we won't understand the Lord and what can happen to us. And so in those moments, I just have to die. And I'm like, yep, this is the liturgy. The music is going away. Things are getting more psalm. And I kind of want to pep it up. Today's not a day about pepping up. But today is a day about the Lord being stripped. I was a young priest, took a pilgrimage, kind of a formation opportunity out in New York City, uh, just had everything by the world. I was in Wall Street, walking around, sort of thinking to myself, I just visited an old friend from high school, had lunch, and uh, had a little bit later on had mass at this church, and I didn't know quite where the church was, but I love being lost in cities, and you kind of just find your way around, and you see the most interesting things, and you stop into this place and that place, and so I'm doing my stuff. Well, I'm walking up this hill, and along the side of the road is a man laying in a bag, a big sleeping bag, And as I walk by him, he's like laying down, kind of like this. And he has a novel in his hand that is literally that big, thick. And as I'm walking by, I'm like, he's reading a book. I kept walking. I was like, you like to read books? Like, but that's a big book. And I was so struck. He's just like me. That I stopped and turned around and I grabbed $10 out of my pocket and wanted to introduce myself to him and went over to him and held on to the money for a little bit and just asked him his name. He said, Maximus. And I said, oh, okay. Uh, and, and I reached out my hand and kind of, you know, did the palm to palm thing and gave him the 10 bucks and uh, uh, started talking to me and having a conversation. And uh, he tell, tells me he um, was beat up in the alleyway. He has this huge bandage on his head, and he was beat up in the alleyway the day, day before and down on his luck, and I'm at, trying to talk about the book and all this stuff is going on. And then finally, he, uh, um, I tell him my name. And I was, it was cold out. It was, I think, at the end of January, and I had a coat on. And I said, Father John... And he still had hold of my hand at the time. And when I said, Father John, he pulled me down into that bag. And he began to reveal the depths and wounds of a man who was raised Catholic, had family right across Long Island. And he kept saying, why me? Why me, Father? Why me? What did I do? When you get out of seminary, you 
You think knowing the catechism is what people need. You think if I know all the scriptures, I'll look like my Protestant brothers and sisters, uh, we have a place to begin. When you've figured out your own life and you've been able to take a journey in which you finally have some stability and you feel confident that there's enough integrity that you can stand before the people of God. But all alone in Wall Street with Maximus, I was stripped of all those things. I don't know why Maximus has to be suffering like this. And intuitively, as I was down there in that bag, I had this thought in my mind, a scripture passage isn't going to help this man. Quoting something I learned from Thomas Aquinas isn't going to get him what he needs. And for the first time in my priesthood, I really felt stripped of everything. I don't know how to help him. I imagine in your lives there's times in which you're in front of circumstances that you don't feel capable of addressing what is needed. Or maybe you're old enough that you've run from place to place to place to place, right? And my friends who sobered up call it geographics, thinking if I just move over there, it'll get better. But the problem is, I go with. (laughs) And eventually the problem shows up again. Every Sunday when we gather, we pray the prayers, the intercessory prayers. And on Good Friday, we have very specific prayers that the church gives us that we will pray. And it strikes me that these prayers from the beginning to the end cover a gamut of God's people. But how easy it is to just walk by the prayers every Sunday like I wanted to walk by Maximus. But reality always brings us to a place where the human heart recognizes, no, I have real needs. I have something I want God to hear from me. And so within these prayers, yes, is something beautiful and sacred that together as one body we turn to God and pray. But each of you should have your own desires that are awakened in front of these groupings in which you can say, yes, I belong to this prayer with this people because of this thing that I feel empty in front of, that I feel unable to produce, that I feel like I've failed, whatever the circumstances are. This is why we come together on Good Friday. It's why the altar is stripped bare. It's why the images and the reminders of what God has done for us are left empty. Because even Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, the one who would be the salvation of the world, experienced taking a journey to a point in which he had nothing. He knows what you're going through. He knows Maximus and what he's going through. 
and why it is that he's there in the midst of those things. In the midst of that bag and those books, he started to sob and sob and sob and sob. Have you ever been with a child who has one of those moments? The snot moments, it's just all coming out. Why me, Father? Why me? When I finally surrendered, he lifted his head to the sky and cried out, Father, forgive me. He wasn't talking to me. But I realized God had given me something that answered the need I never knew was there. And so I did. God, the Father of mercies, through the death and resurrection of his Son, has poured out the Holy Spirit upon us for the forgiveness of sins. Through the ministry of the church, may God grant you pardon and peace. And I absolve you from your sins, Maximus, in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.